0: Hello, welcome to Pod. It is Monday the 29th of October. Uh, my name is Ben. I'm joined once again by Jay, Blades Analytic. We are going to talk about uh, Sheffield United's 4-2 win over Wigan this weekend and some other things as well. Jay, how are you doing?
1: I'm all good, mate, because we are top of the league, so we are <laughs> top of the league.
0: Yeah, and, and actually it's probably worth pointing out, because a few people did kind of mention this after uh, after the last podcast where I was saying uh, Sheffield United a, a joint top, and they said, well, you know we're level on points, but we're goal difference wise we're actually third Well right now we are unequivocally top of the league by two points from Leeds United, which is a pretty nice place to be i think after especially after um you know losing a frustrating one to Derby the week before, and then also an even more frustrating loss of points midweek against uh against stoke but yeah back um back with a bang I guess against uh Wigan. So a 4-2 win, a uh, hat-trick for Billy Sharp. Um, just, a, I, I guess, a, a very good performance, I think. not, Probably not the highs. We'll come on to this in a bit uh, bit more detail afterwards, I guess. But, yeah, not the highs of some of our other performances that we've seen. But just to quickly run through the um, the game itself, uh, United took the lead from a, an own goal from Shea Dunkley when... Basham sort of got in down the right from a throw-in and it was kind of, it was almost a double-owned goal really, like two defenders turned it one way, then the other, and eventually into the net. Uh, Wigan then equalised um, pretty pretty deservedly, I thought, you know, it was quite an even game at this point with Cal Smith who'd, uh, who'd just come on as a substitute uh, for an injured player. Uh, he turned one in at the back post. Uh, just for half-time, United got back ahead, Billy Sharp, with uh, finishing off a free-kick move, and then in the second half, two more sharp goals, um, both really, really good team moves, really well finished. That put us four-one up. Uh, Joe Garner got one back from a slightly weak piece of defending with twenty minutes left. But United were never in any danger whatsoever. And overall, I think very good value for um, for the win. What was what was your kind of feelings on the game as a whole?
1: Yeah, so I was at a wedding on Saturday when the game was on live. So I was doing the the thing that we do, where we pretend to be interested in the wedding but stand in the corner trying to watch your phone.
0: I hope um, the uh, I hope the bride and groom are not listening to this.
1: They were well aware. I, I made I made it very clear what I was doing. It's um, fair enough. So I watched the game back on on Sunday. Actually, I watched the whole ninety minutes back, and I don't know about you, what it felt like in the in the stadium at the time, but it was weird almost because we we'd done that great performance against Stoke, which we you know discussed at length and and not defended as such, but given all the positives out of it and said, look, we play like this more often than not, we're going to win. Well, we didn't actually match that really in a mm. way in terms of overall dominance. Um, yet we won four two and could quite conceivably have five or six as well. Yeah, now, if you look at the final header in the last minute, and there was the breakaway at the end of the first half where uh, McGoldrick was in, and we had a three on one at one point there. Mm. And it was just yeah, just a bizarre game really in a way that everything we spoke about on the last pod about being clinical um, and about taking our chances, you know, at the right times, just all came to fruition. We just yeah. we, you know. We got our noses ahead and stayed ahead, and that
0: was that. I guess, yeah. I mean, it wasn't like, it wasn't exactly a radical thought process we were proposing on the last podcast, you know, which essentially was if we create as many chances as this again, you know, we don't necessarily need more clinical strikers on, you know, compared to what we have. It's just the nature of football means that uh, we probably will score more goals next time. And, yeah, that is essentially exactly what happened. We, uh, Yeah, I, I would agree. We weren't as good against Stoke. Um, but, yeah, we still created, you know, loads of very, very good chances. I mean, the thing with all four of those goals is, you know, they were all quite close-range finishes. It wasn't like, you know, Sharps cracked one in from 25 yards or anything like that. They were all, yeah, pretty much inside the six-yard box, all four of them. And, yeah, you mentioned the O'Connell header as well. Uh, they hit the underside of the bar that was inside the six-yard box, and then obviously the McGoldrick was a a one-on-one where the defender just managed to get in with a, a good sliding tackle. But yeah, it's interesting you mentioned with the with the atmosphere. It was, I guess, it was a slightly sleepy game, was how I kind of felt at the time in the, in the first half, anyway. I mean, I, I don't mean any disrespect to Wigan here, but it, it's quite hard to get excited for Wigan at home, like, and that you know I accept that that is disrespectful, especially when you know they've played. Uh, much more in the Premier League than we have in, I don't know, the last twenty years or so. They won the blooming FA Cup like ten years ago, something like that. So, you know, by most definitions, they're a they're a more successful team than United are, and certainly in the modern era. But at the same time, you know, it's just it's it's just a hard fixture to get excited for as a fan, I think. Um, and you know, then we have we're we're kicking the wrong way in the first half. You know, kicking towards the cop in the first half, which is it always a slightly unusual sensation as well so yeah when it, when it went to 1-1 i was thinking oh you know this is this could be the kind of game that almost just passes us by and we end up just sort of limping to a draw or you know possibly even losing it to a team that kind of senses the moment if you like but yeah fortunately um you know i should have trusted the process as we talked about in the last one accepted that we were going to create loads more chances and just stick them in the net but yeah i think it's um I think it's probably worth talking a little bit about Wigan themselves because uh, they certainly, as I expected, they certainly gave us a much more of a game than uh, than Stoke did, and you know actually looked like they had a sort of game plan and a and a way of playing. And yeah, I think they, I think you've tweeted this as well, but they really did contribute to what was you know pretty entertaining game to be honest.
1: Absolutely, yeah. Now they're a good side, Wigan. They really are this year. Um, I mean, they are they are a home team. You know, got a of archetypal team coming up. I think out of their twenty points. They had before the weekend, 17 had come at home and only three had come away. Mm. They were actually top of the home league table and 21st in the away table. So, you know, you kind of do the thing of reading the fans', fans forums and whatnot. And they, I think their fans had said they played quite different away from home this year. Mm. I think they played quite direct. Whereas on Saturday, I thought they played good football. Um, I, thought, I thought they passed it well through the third. I thought Windass and Powell were lively and, and linked up well. Um, Reese James on the right-hand side. Kind of highlighted him some stats. He's a very good player, and he he came across as that, didn't he? As well, I thought so. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, you know, very technically minded. They just looked like a decent side. And they came and had a go as well, didn't they? I, I think as Leeds fans now, because the way we play, we almost respect the teams that come and have a go and that don't park the bus as such. And you know, they come and they had a they had more of a go at Bramall Lane than what most big teams will do this year. So, yeah, I I think they're a decent side, especially at home. I don't think many sides will actually go and beat them.
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I thought. Yeah, I thought I thought they sort of mixed up their, their style of play quite well. You know, there was quite a lot of, um, I guess, balls into the channel for uh, for Windass particularly. I, I thought it had a really good game for them. Um, he ended up creating the, the second goal for them, actually. But, yeah, his, the timing of his runs, um, you know, there was about five or six times I thought, surely he's offside. And as it transpired, he actually, uh, he actually wasn't. So, yeah, he, he had a very good game. I thought he was really, really involved. And, um, yeah, Powell, as you mentioned as well, also looked dangerous. I mean... I suppose you could say maybe they were a little too open, but it wasn't like we were sort of you know, it wasn't like we were countering on them with great speed. I know we obviously scored one goal on the counter and, you know, possibly could have had another one as well. But yeah, it wasn't like they were completely reckless or anything like that. It's just clearly had a, a much better understanding of how they wanted to play the game than than Stoke did, which as we talked about, they were they were pretty directionless. Um Yeah, yeah go yeah, on, definitely. sorry.
1: I say, I just think it went down to what Wilder said against Stoke, really, the week before. We almost did this under Adkins as well, which is we were just better in both boxes, I thought. Mm. You know, I'd, you know, where we scored our goals, Wigan just didn't either clear their lines, you know, on, the, on the, for the second goal especially. It was a really nice free-kick kind of move with, with the ball to the back post and the header back across the box. But, you know, if you do a defensive side there, you're expecting your big centre-half to go and win that ball and then clear it, aren't you? Yeah. Same as the first goal, there's no way Basham should make that running behind. So, not that we're trying to do a wig and slant on this, but yeah, I just thought we were the, the more clinical team in both boxes, really.
0: Definitely. I'm glad you just mentioned the individual goals, actually, because I think they are worth talking about. Because, you know, the first two very, quite smart set plays, I think, you know, it was clearly a plan to take that quick throw in, have Basham sort of bombing on. And yeah, I tweeted out the screenshot of him, of Basham essentially centering the ball, and he is. You know, it's, it, it just encapsulates everything about United, I suppose. You know, he is the most advanced player on the pitch and he's our central defender. Uh, and he's sort of pulling it across from the... Uh, pretty much from the goal line. You know, the keeper's committed and that's what ends up with the sort of double deflection into the net. And then, yeah, the second one, very a very clever sort of set-piece again. I mean, it's been a well, it's been a few weeks since we scored from a set-piece. I, I suppose you could include the one against Stoke, couldn't you? That was kind of from a set-piece, so the rebound off the free-kick. But, yeah, this one, um, you know... It, It looked like uh, O'Connell sort of almost like set a block at the back post that allowed um, Stearman to to get free, which was obviously who Norwood was aiming for. He heads it across goal and, uh, yeah, Sharp turns it in. Um, So, yeah, that was two sort of uh, nicely worked, like quick moves, if you like, from set pieces, but I think we just need to talk in a little more detail about the third and fourth goals because it's some of our best football of the season, I think, you know. However, this season ends. I think those two goals will be sort of on the highlight reel for just really incisive, fast football. Um, and I guess we're going to have to talk about Oli Norwood once again, aren't we?
1: Oh yeah, you can't not. I know. I know people might get bored of this. Like, you know, I'm sure people do. My timeline, people are. But <laughs> like, so I mean, the third goal is. He's, he's. I mean, Leon. Let's go, Leon Clark as well. By the way, outstanding movement. Yeah. To be out. The left hand side channel, that, you know, he's not supposed to, be, tactically, he may have been supposed to be there, but that's not really what you consider Leon Clark to be. So, great to be out there. And him and Sharp have got a really good link, actually, from the, the end of the League One season. And they, they kind of do that a lot, actually, because Leon's, I, I would say Leon's quite two footed. He's very good on his left foot, isn't he? He, he always puts in a decent cross normally. So, yeah. I think they have a you know, sharp nose to go as soon as Leon gets the ball out wide, which is really good. But that pass, it was just one touch and pass forward, wasn't it? It was just beautifully into the space. Just cut out three or four different players, and it was really interesting. Actually, I've just tweeted them out, which is kind of the average positioning of the whole team. And um, sometimes this can be a bit of a myth because it, it's average. So you know, if, if someone pops up right up top for one minute of the game, but spends the rest in the midfield, they might look higher than, yeah. than what they actually were on the graph at the end. But I noticed this on, on especially on those passes and on a couple of others. Nor would definitely play higher. Mm. That the rest of the season he's been in this. Quarterback, deep line playmaker role where the team rotates around him and it works. But without Duffy, Clark and McGoldrick dropped. We almost had two behind Billy Sharp in terms of our build up play, and Norwood stepped forward. And it was half the reason he was able to play those passes. So rather than it being Norwood to someone else, to someone else, to someone else, and then a chance, it was Norwood, someone else, crossing, chance. Uh, you know, it almost felt like he, he'd moved into that further role. Not, mm. not necessarily, a number, but you know, just 10 yards further up the pitch that gave him a little bit more scope to play those passes. And I, I can't even <laughs> talk about the fourth one, because the spin he puts on the ball, I don't even know how he's done it.
0: Yeah, we'll get to that in a 2nd too, But yeah, I think just the weight on his through ball to Clark was brilliant. And then, you know, Clark's cross is, is outrageously good as well. It's almost to the point where it's like, why are you crossing it at that exact moment? That's, you know, take another touch, get in the box, commit somebody. But... Yeah, he just hit a a perfect cross for Sharp to finish perfectly, as he generally does. But yeah, the through ball from Norwood, it meant that Clark didn't even have to sort of control it or, you know, alter the kind of momentum of his run or anything like that. It was just perfectly weighted and yeah, just a a really good team move. And then, yeah, as you say, that fourth goal, I mean, you know, the crowd was just almost literally purring as he hit that ball. I mean, I've probably watched it like 50 or 60 times on, on Twitter and it's... I still don't totally know how he does it, Norwood, but it, it almost looks like it comes off his shin or something, which is ridiculous because it's a ball actually on the floor. But the yeah, it, it kind of arcs into this left channel, and you know, I think the defender, um, I think is it James that's going back there? I can't remember the it was the right back, but he's running towards his own goal, like clearly thinking this is going in front of me, like I towards my own goal. I need to get you know cut this off from there. But then the dip on the ball is so. Strange and unnatural, I guess, that it ends up landing behind him. He's now facing the wrong way. Stevens with a brilliant touch over the top of him and, and cross into Sharp, who yeah, with another great finish. But yeah, I, <laughs> that Norwood pass was just ridiculous, and yeah, it was it was amazing to see something like that actually end with a goal as well. Really good yeah. to see.
1: No, definitely, and just that move actually for the foot I mean, they were all them, them two goals were fantastic for me. You know, the pure footballing goals, but that fourth move. Just watch that clip back and watch, who I think has been one of the most underrated players this season, Ender Stevens, mm. watch the movement. The way he knocks the ball inside, I think it's to, to Fleck or, or McGoldrick, and then it goes back to Norwood and Stevens has gone. Yeah. He's already gone. He's already twenty yards on the sprint. So, like you said, he's up against someone who's a bit quicker than him, but Norwood's already Stevens already had the run on him, mm. Expect to fall in behind. Admittedly, I don't think no one expected Norwood to put, you know, more backspin on the Jimmy White and decided to stiff into his path. But that, you know that this this is unbelievable. Ender Stevens has been unbelievable. I, I know he gave the free kick away against Stoke, but offensively he has been absolutely cracking. That's he, his up.
0: fourth assist in fourteen league games this season, which I I believe exceeds what he had last season, or is at least very close. He's equaled. Um, it. Um, Equalled it. Yeah, done. there we go. In yeah. um yeah. in in a quarter of the amount of matches.
1: Yeah, I, I, I you know you can't say anything more than that, can you? We could. I I can't, I can't quite remember who it was. I think it was was Cleon actually a guy who follows us on Twitter and he asked us uh, to look at kind of the starts of the end of this year and, and last year at this point you think you know we all think Ender may have added to his game with with Johnson coming in I've looked at the numbers and it's uncanny every single number is about the same hmm. he's, he's doing exactly what he did at this point last year other than the fact he's got more assists yet he's got the same expected assist level so all that tells us is we're finishing more off these crosses whereas last season we didn't and he's touching the ball in the box more in the opposition box more than he did last season at this point there's no real difference in his output. He always had this to his game. I just think that with, with Freeman back and with Norwood adding a bit more balance, we now attack down different sides other than just the left. So mm. you don't see the... You just see the strengths. Um, you know, and it, 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 was just a, it was just an exceptional goal. And I, we haven't even touched on Billy's finishing ability, which...
0: You know, now is the time. Now is the time for the Billy Sharp segue-loving, <laughs> I think. Do you, do well, you want then, to go first?
1: Yeah, I mean, the third goal... <laughs> like visually, aesthetically, is my favourite because the, the whole way of the cross coming in, it's that thing where time stands still. You can see the run being made and you know he's ahead of the defender despite the fact he's not quick and he's going to get there. But just watch that finish again in slow-mo and the way he just... He doesn't push his foot through the ball. He lets the ball hit his foot back across the goalkeeper. Mm. You know, it's so all the goalkeeper's weight. is shifting across. So there's no way he's diving to that side. Sharp's not put any pace on the ball. He's just cushioned it. And it, it's just the most Billy really sharp finish you can imagine. Like there would be better players from Sharp who might spoon that, mm. you know. There's just, it's just composure basically. He just, you just knew how to finish. And then the fourth was exactly the same. He's almost got no angle to finish from there.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, you know, he, he's got one area of the goal, and, and Christian Walton, the Wigan keeper, is a good keeper. He's a big lad as well, and you know, just to just to lift it into that corner of the goal, there in the top corner, you just, just yeah. I, I can't have enough superlatives, for Philly Sharp. I really can't. He's absolutely outstanding. Three it's... shots and fucking goals. He's just.
0: It's ridiculous, isn't it? I mean, he has 10 league goals. It's still October. I mean, that's astonishing. About, what was this? Probably about six weeks ago, we we said, oh, you know, we, when you and I talked on a podcast, we said, uh, you know, he's had a great start to the season. He probably had four or five, maybe six, seven goals at that point. And we're thinking, could he get to 15? Probably not, we decided at that point. Now it's like, can he get to 20? Can he go over 20? Is this going to be like a ridiculous season? And you and almost feel like it can in a way. I mean, yeah, he's averaging a goal every 91 minutes, so essentially a goal every game. Uh, 76% of his shots have been on target. So he scored 10 goals from 17 shots, 13 shots on target and 10 goals. So he's only three times has a goalkeeper saved a sharp shot this season. I mean, that is just lethal, isn't it? And also it's not... To me, that doesn't seem fluky because it's not like he's scoring over kicks or from long range or anything like that. He's he's XG Billy, as we've talked about. All his goals come from four or five yards. I mean, I'd love to know. You could probably pull this up, I guess, but I'd love to know what the furthest distance one of his goals has been this season. I mean, where would you? What would you say? Like seven yards, eight? I can't think of any off the top of my head.
1: Yeah. 10 max, isn't it? You know, you. I can't think of anything. Well, definitely nothing outside the box, and nothing I don't think of as further back than the penalty spot. Just trying no. to get on top of, like you know, this is not a static thing. But yeah, I, I I would agree with you. I mean, his shot conversion rate. So he shots the goal. He's 46%. <laughs> 46% of Billy Sharp's shots going goals. Just to put that in context. If you look at the championship right now, for any player, not just strikers, but any player who's had more than 10 attempts at goal, the next closest percentage to Billy Sharp, so number two in shot conversion, is Bod Fardson, Bod Fardson at Reading with 37%.
0: Right.
1: He's 9% ahead in terms of shot conversion. He just—he shoots and scores. There's, yeah. there's no way to put it. <laughs> it, it you know, I, I can't, I mean, he's XG for 90, he's slightly below Neil Morpe, who's the highest in the league. Um, I think, again, someone on Twitter said, you know, I think it was Maxi D actually on Twitter, said we should talk about this, which is how how amazing Sharp is. Let's put that into context. Well, Sharp's XG per night is about 0.8, which is insane. <laughs> if he finishes the season with that, it'll be 28, 30 goals. So that's what that rate equates to. Yeah. Or should do. Um, he's slightly below Neil Morpay at the minute, but Sharp has a better, much better conversion rate. Um, yeah, than Mopay. so
0: Morpay's taken, I think he's taken more than twice as many shots. I think he's taken 35 and Sharp's on 17. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I mean, he missed it. You know, I don't want to get into another play, but he missed the absolute sitter on Saturday from a yard out that Sharp wouldn't. You know, it's as simple as that. But he, I, I can't apply much more context to Billy Sharp. You know, everyone just yeah, he leads goals. He's already there. So, he, you know, for people who just like the the goal scored stats, he's there. But conversion rate, he's he's the most clinical finisher in the league. Yeah, I, I don't think that that can be denied.
0: I feel like I feel like the wider football community should be talking about this a little more. It's I do. It's it's just. Yeah. Uh, it's mental i mean and the thing is the, the, as i say it's not like you know it's not like uh, this is a freak of a, a freak of a run you know we we are a team that's sort of perfectly built to create chances for sharp and he is perfectly built to finish off our chances and yeah it's an absolute perfect match at the minute and yeah i mean you know i guess the thing to kind of say is it's not a case of like Oh, he scores forty-two percent of his shots. So just, just shoot every time you get the ball, Billy. You know, <laughs> you're going to get a hat trick every game. You know, it, it's the fact that he is very selective, and you know, we we are selective about how we use the ball in the final third. I guess that's that's led to that. But yeah, the combination of his finishing ability and the way that we create chances is, I mean, it's a huge part of why we are where we are. And yeah, it's just as a fan, it's just incredible to see him knocking in goal after goal every week. Um, <laughs>
1: I yeah. I mean, i just just bought it up now on the BBC website. So this this is the Premier League. I, I don't think there's a top, you know, a, a better English scorer in the top, certainly in the top two tiers. I mean, Glenn mm. Murray's Glenn Murray is the top English scorer right now. 125 minutes per goal. Sharp's got 91 minutes per goal. Yeah. Um, you know, and his shots on target's 54%. Sharp 76. <laughs> Callum Wilson 175 minutes per goal. You're right. This should be a national narrative. The man is an absolute machine. And if he isn't involved in an England team, he should be coaching them on how to finish. <laughs> Imagine
0: absolutely. that. Billy Sharp with an England call-up at this stage. Why not?
1: Just give him a chance and he's in it. Uh, he, well, yeah.
0: he... he absolutely is. Just uh, just not from the penalty spot. Or maybe not.
1: <laughs>
0: um, got, go on, sir.
1: Which brings us nicely on to and Duffy.
0: Oh yeah! Just before we get there, actually, I just want to quickly... One last thing on Sharp. So, um... Yeah, there's uh, uh, good brand stats who tweet out loads of interesting stuff um, about the EFL and, well, actually pretty much every division in the uh, of football in the world, actually. But um, yeah, so Sharp has now scored 41 goals in his last 72 league appearances for United, which is pretty mental in itself. United are unbeaten in all 41 games that he's scored in uh, since Wilder became manager, which you know kind of makes sense because obviously the sample you're selecting there is ones where united have scored at least one goal so um you know we're we're likely to do well in those games anyway but um it's still pretty impressive but then he didn't play at all against stoke and we ended up missing a load of chances now i saw you already somebody already raised this on twitter and i saw you respond to it as well and i'm glad that it came up because it was something i was wondering as well and yeah this is the thing Sharp scores goals every time he plays. Every every 91 minutes, he knocks in a goal. Why didn't we play him on Tuesday? And is it, uh, is it justified that we left him out because he's now gone on and scored a hat-trick? Or is the flip side like, well, if we'd played him on Tuesday, we probably would have won? I don't really have a clear answer on this, so I'm, I'm, I'm interested to know what you think.
1: No, I'm with you on that. I don't, I, I don't think they're mutually exclusive things. I don't think one has to mean the other, for mm.
0: example. That's fair. Um,
1: you know, yes, on form Billy would have probably taken the chances that we had, um, but then it wasn't. So my, my 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 theory on this was the chances didn't really fall to Leon Clark or David McGoldrick against Stoke. The, the big chance fell to Ender Stevens. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I'm guessing what I'm trying to say is, you know, would it have fell to Sharp anyway? Well, maybe not. You know, Freeman and, and Stevens were the big chances in that game. Clark did manage to score. That that goal for Clark may have given him the confidence to be. Playing as well as he did on Saturday, which then set Billy up. Mm-hmm. Billy's legs were rested. He comes and sc- I, I think you have to say it's vindicated because of the result in terms of he's coming and scored a hat trick and we've got a win. I think we all have to realise as well that as much as we love him and he looks fitter than ever, he is naturally going to tire. as this? It, it's a marathon. It's an absolute war of attrition. The championship. Yeah. We saw that last year when we were cruising at this point and soon dropped off. Um, and, and we currently have a man who is absolutely on fire, and I want him to be on fire in March and April when we might really need him for a final push, as well as now. Um, I, I'm happy with a bit of rotation. I don't think there's been, I don't think there's any need to get up in arms about it because I don't think shots been rotated that much anyway. No,
0: you know? no, I think it's just because it's such an easy one with the Stoke game to go. Like we missed a load of. That's probably the one game this season where we missed a load of chances and it cost us. Yeah. And uh, most the most prolific striker in the championship, if you like, spent the whole ninety minutes on the bench. But yeah, I'm I'm with you as well, to be honest. I mean, yeah, how old is Sharp now? Is he like 33, 34, something like that? Let's look this up. Uh 32. Sorry, Billy. I added at least a year to your age there. Um But yeah, I you know, I I I do sort of feel like we have to manage him through the season, I guess, and you know, manage his minutes to get the most out of him and yeah certainly getting a hat-trick out of him is pretty much the most out of him but yeah I can see the odd game where it makes sense to perhaps not play him and I mean to be clear you know he wasn't incredibly involved at Derby I didn't think either and you know there have been games that do sort of pass him by a little bit because you know that's just the style of player he is he's a you know poacher a finisher although I should say his his link-up play against um, Wigan was absolutely fantastic you know holding the ball up a couple of brilliant layoffs as well like Sort of first time flicks almost but yeah i can also see that there will be occasions where it, it makes sense to start say clark and mcgoldrick together um you know to give his a more sort of physical direct presence i guess and i imagine that was what the thinking was was uh, against stoke on tuesday um but yeah as you say if um we we, we want this form from clark to uh, sorry from sharp to um carry on into march and april and not not just be completely shattered by the time november's done
1: well, we were, I just, you know, put it into context from last season. So, if you ever wanted an example of how much Wilder learned from last season, mm. that is really sharp because we didn't have as much squad depth last year, and it's arguable we don't have squad depth in the striker position. Or I get that at the minute, but we didn't have an opportunity to rest Stevens or Bulldog really last season with Freeman being out for so long. And listen, I like Danny Lafferty, but he isn't going to provide what Andy Stevens does. So, they had to play most games, and towards the end of the season, they were absolutely knackered. You could see it in their performances, their output. When confidence was lost, and we just when we needed big moments, we didn't quite have that drive. And that's a squad depth thing. Um, so what you're seeing here with Sharp is, is whether it's right or wrong. In, in our opinion, it, it's some tactical management of him. Really, you know, there is no issue. People always try and make out as an issue, don't they? Oh, Billy's on the bench again. Him a Wilder must have fell out. Just,
0: <laughs> Every time.
1: Yeah, <laughs> must have seen it every time. Oh, shot has gone out on the drink and Wild. He doesn't like it. It's always something like that, isn't it? Someone's seen him in the cop for and You know, seen something crazy. But it's just, at the end of the day, I think Billy said it after the game, you know, when he was younger, he might have had a moan, but he's a club captain and he understands what's happening here. We're just trying to arrest him. The, the, the game against Stoke was not going to define the season. No. He should have won it anyway, quite frankly, but it won't define the season. Whereas if he plays more often than not, he can then make a difference to define the season. And I think if you ask Billy Sharp, would he rather play against Stoke or Wednesday? I know what he's saying.
0: Yeah, completely agree. All right, nice one. Let's. Uh, so I asked on Twitter earlier um, if anyone had any questions for the podcast and uh, lots of people did. <laughs> we'll try and hit some of them now but I, I think a good place to start is um, something that United asked us um, which is essentially to do with uh, McGoldrick playing the kind of Duffy role this weekend. So, Duffy and John Egan both missed the game uh, with injury uh, and we started, I I guess, almost a like-for-like replacement in terms of role was uh, McGoldrick playing in in Duffy's position, if you like. Um, So yeah, how how do we think he did, I suppose? I mean, personally, I thought it was, you know, I thought it was fine. I thought it was a good enough performance. Just, uh, you know, you could also see that drop-off in, I think, understanding between... The rest of the midfield, if you like. So, yeah, he. I think he only attempted sort of 19 passes or something like that, which is it's quite a drop off from where Duffy is. You know, Duffy is very high in terms of passes in the final third, passes in the penalty area usually, and McGoldrick less so. But then he did also uh, attempt a lot of shots. He had the you know the counter attack uh, at the end of the first half, which is not something that we re- ever really see Duffy kind of doing himself. Um, so yeah, what, what was your feelings on this? I mean, it's something we've. Something we've talked about, I think, in the past, of like that is probably the next man up for, um, yeah, for when Duffy needs to miss a game. But yeah, I thought it was fine. It was quite an encouraging performance, but at the same time, a little bit of a step down, I guess.
1: Agreed. Um, I, yeah, I, I'm not going to add much more now. For because I think you summarized it beautifully. But what what McGoldrick doesn't give us is Duffy's control. He's kind of. That ability of Duffy has around the kind of edge of the opposition box to just just play with the tempo of the game so he can choose when he wants to speed up the passing or not. He takes it under pressure and he just knocks it out to a wing-back. Okay, we'll keep the ball. Duffy has a bit of space and he can find like a nice little through ball around the back. But Goldrick isn't going to give you that because that's not what he's done all his career. He is going to give you a bit more of a goal-scoring threat. Mm. He's going to give you a, a pace and thrust from that position, which I think he did. Like the counter-attack that we saw. Uh, and overall, I think he did fine. Um, I think we were helped by the fact Wigan come and out a go and we're not great defensively. Um, it may have been a... I thought you could see the difference. with not having Duffy, but it may have been more apparent if a team would have come and sat in. Because then you're asking McGoldrick to do a job that he's never really done in his career. I know he drops off as a striker, but that's different from playing the number 10 where all balls come through you. So I think we still have an issue there in the long term um, that needs fixing. But on Saturday, it be, he did a perfectly suitable job. And if, while there isn't to use Ben Woodburn, then... No doubt, McGoldrick's the option um, if Duffy's unavailable. So, yeah, yeah I, I, think he did, I think he did well without doing anything extraordinary. I mean, just to put some context behind it, was the numbers. He didn't play a key pass, so he didn't have a shot assist. He didn't set up a chance, but he did do lots of nice little bits of link-up play. There was a couple of dribbles, and there was the added goal-scoring threat. So, I think it was just different, wasn't it? And that's why you also saw Leon Clark kind of come down, and they almost had a double pivot behind Billy. Mm. You know, Leon a drop-off, and that's where that cross came from. Leon was actually in the kind of left attacking midfield role. You see what I mean? Yeah, uh, and McGoldrick could drift over to the other side. So I think we just played a little, played a little bit more cleverly. It was nice to see a bit of tactical invention, really, in that regard. Because it's been a, you know, it's been a fear of this pods for a long time, hasn't it? What do we do without Mark Duffy? So,
0: yeah, I, I think different is a, a good word to use, really. Because yeah, I, I sort of noted, you know, Duffy's quite quite happy to play with his back to goal sometimes. which sounds sounds almost. Strange for somebody who's, who's a pretty small player, but you know he's quite happy to just receive it, facing his own goal, knock it off to a wing back, as you said. Whereas, yeah, McGoldrick almost had that striker instinct of like just trying to turn immediately, and that that was generally, you know, it wasn't like he was turning into into a defender and losing it. I think he was only dispossessed once in the whole game. But you know, it's a slightly different way of playing for us to be a bit more direct once he received the ball instead of like you know kind of holding onto it for a little bit, bringing other players into uh, into the move, etc. Um, but yeah, overall quite encouraging. I thought, uh, you know, we we we're both big fans of McGoldrick's footballing ability and the threat that he gives us. So yeah, pretty encouraging. Um, just uh, on a sort of follow up note, actually, um, uh, at United, I also asked about uh, Nick Powell and and his role. And uh, yeah, where this is obviously a chap who played for Wigan this weekend, uh, used to be at Manchester United. How um, if he could potentially be somebody that we could look at as a sort of longer term replacement for Duffy because um, he does play a similar sort of role how do you think he did this weekend
1: yeah I thought he was decent um, without being great I think you know it, it's really hard because his team fact that we weren't our, our fluid best we did still have quite a bit of the ball um, and, and there was a lot of time spent in the middle of the pitch slash their half as well so it was really hard but I thought it, he showed he links up well um, you know wonky pass he had three shots I think he's somewhere in between Mark Duffy and McGoldrick. Mm. I think you know he can do the the tempo and the control and the Duffy-type style, but he's also got that added threat of, of he can score, he can certainly shoot he's a bit, bit wild in terms of... He wasn't on Saturday, but I've looked up his shot map and he, some wild efforts from outside the box, which yeah, won't fit in our system. Wilder won't have that. Um, but he's a very good player. He's technically brilliant. He's clearly got good in, you know, coming from Crewe and then Manchester United, where he was highly rated. I, it's a great question and to be fair it's a good name to throw into the pot isn't it you know I think there's a contract situation there up in the summer and there'll be bigger clubs than us for the pro wages but who knows where we're going to be in summer Yeah,
0: um,
1: you know so I, listen we are our next recruitment piece I got asked this you know what what's our kind of next recruitment piece I know we're coming up to January the conversations will be starting we we need a Mark Duffy replacement Um mm. Because if we get promoted, or even if we don't, and we want to go another level, we all know Duffy's legs don't handle it well a full season. We don't have a replacement at the minute. Woodburn hasn't quite worked yet, and Duffy's going to be a year older. That's no negligence on Mark Duffy. I'm sure he can still have periods in a game where he's brilliant, but we do need a full of this team. Um, uh, for, you know My name would always be Luke Freeman. I think I've, I've put Duffy's stats and Freeman's stats next to each other, and he's so similar in style. The positions he takes up, the, the way he plays, it's very similar. The only difference is Freeman's a little bit more dynamic because he's a bit pacier. That, you know, other than that, they have the same amount of deep completions and passes to the final third. I don't think we're ever going to understand how good Mark Duffy is until we have a prolonged period without him. Yeah, um, that, That's all I'll say on that, really.
0: Which hopefully will only occur when he retires.
1: <laughs> exactly, yeah. It doesn't have to.
0: Yeah. But yeah, I thought Powell had uh, you know a pretty good game. I actually I used to think he was a striker actually, sort of out and out forward, but yeah, certainly, you know, looking at where he'd kind of uh, where he received the ball, where he passed the ball this weekend, he was he was all over the place, you know, right and left wing in the in the centre as well, created uh, I think created three chances from the left himself. So yeah, good kind of roaming playmaker kind of kind of player. But yeah, maybe one for us to uh to look at in the future. Um All right, I know we don't have too much time left. Is any any of these other questions from people on the Twitter that you uh, want to quickly hit? Uh,
1: Let's have a look. What we had? Yeah, I got. We can. We can. We'll cover some more of these because we always ask people to get involved. Um, Yeah, that was interesting actually. Um, As well, someone mentioned um, what I felt about Egan obviously missing and Stearman being reintroduced. Um, Quite frankly, I thought Stearman was. Good. Very good. Um, Every game he's played this year has been very decent. Mm. I don't think we look as solid with him. That's just a personal opinion. I don't think there's anything to back it up. I just really like Egan as a defender.
0: Um, That's not really a criticism of Stearman, is it? It's just he is now our fourth-choice central defender, I guess.
1: Yeah. I mean, it was almost hard for me to comment on Stearman in this game because I thought Jack O'Connell was so much just a standout defender. Mm. Um, you know, on our side, won the most headers. Unbelievably, had two shots and two key passes as well. So going forward, Jack was back really. Mm-hmm. Um, just fusty ball again, doing what he does. Um, but it, yeah, I, I thought Jack was more more solid defender. Um, yeah, I, I think Steers did well. Egan's our number one defender, isn't he? Um,
0: yeah.
1: that's it's obvious to say, but I think he is. I know there's a lot of love out there for Steerman, and I think he's a wonderful squad player. You know, see from the the things he puts out on social media, he is Mister club captain type thing with Billy
0: yeah um, he seems like a, a, a model pro if that's not too much of a cliche
1: no he does see, and he's just a great fella you know someone who's really good in the dressing room and listen when he's needed to step in this year he's done absolutely nothing wrong and if anything been very good so fair play to him um, I thought Henderson was decent as well on Saturday he may, maybe could have done a bit more for their, their first but You know, we didn't help him. It was a free effort
0: from that distance. Yeah, I I think, yeah, it's hard to pin any blame on him for that one. He's sort of coming out to close down the shot and it kind of just hits him and goes in the net, doesn't it? So, yeah, he made a couple of, uh, I'd say, good saves from the free kick. Spectacular saves, but uh, also ones that uh, I think he'd be pretty devastated if they'd actually gone in the net. But, you know, still need saving, so good job. Agreed. We're
1: going to have to put our neck on the line here, aren't we? Because Maxi D asked us the ultimate question, didn't he?
0: It did, yeah. Do you want me, I'll, I'll read this out actually, um, so people get the full context. So, yeah, this is from Maxi D on Twitter. Um, he says, "Am I going to regret being out of the country from mid-April to mid-May?" I suppose it depends where you're going. But um, the answer <laughs> the the options that he's given us are: uh, no, it'll all be wrapped up before then. Yes, I'll miss the title-winning game against Forest. Yes, we'll clinch a playoff place, or no, we'll have dropped off the pace. What's your uh, what, what's your actual neck-on-the-line answer there then?
1: Um, he's going to regret being out of
0: the country. I think he is as well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, yeah, I,
1: I'm not... We, we've done We've done it a million times on why we think this is sustainable, so I'm not going to dive any further. Um, but yeah, he's going to regret that. <laughs> he might not. It might be a good thing he's going out of the country for, but if he means in terms of missing football, yeah, I think he's going to miss something quite big.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think you just regret missing any United game at the moment, to be honest. just uh, Yeah, it's just... It's just so good to watch, even even when we don't play incredibly well. As I, I didn't really think we did this weekend. You know, we still banging four goals as shot gets that trick, and you know we we just look brilliant. So, um, yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, we, we, you know, again, I thought that as well. Watching the game, this is where stats can be really stupidly fun. That sounds nerdy, I know, but watching the game, I thought. Oh, wow, that was clinical. We, you know, I thought Wigan, there's an argument to say that was quite a balanced game. I don't think you could say they were better, but you couldn't really say we were better on the balance of play. Mm. Look at the stats. Five big chances, big XG difference. Um, you know, just, that's this probably... <laughs> it was, in a way, we created more clear chances than Stoke, just yeah. less of them, if you see what I mean. I like, think you said it brilliantly on Twitter with Billy's shot map. And just, you know, they're all chances that any striker in this league they might not be in position for, but if they were there, they'd, they're probably taking them. So more than more than well-deserved win in terms of chance creation. Um, and yeah, it's just another very solid attacking performance. And it's uh, looking very good with a big month coming up.
0: Yeah, indeed. Well, there's there's one sort of final question then we could just segue on to, which, which brings us on to that, which is from, uh, from Ruddy Blade. Um and, uh, yeah, unfortunately, Chris Basham picked up his fifth yellow card, so he's going to be suspended for our next game, which is uh, away at Forest on Saturday, which is, as you say, uh, a big game as part of a big month. Uh, he asks, who is going to fill Bash's boots? We've got the defensive cover, but not box-to-box, which is a extremely uh, salient point. Um, I'm not sure we have a like-for-like replacement. I, I wonder if we will just have to, um, you know, just basically accept a slightly more defensive central defender in uh, the game against Forest which which maybe is not such a bad thing I suppose as yeah, they're yeah, they going to be quite tough opposition but yeah, I mean is there anyone uh, presumably Egan will come back in and Stearman will play uh, as the right centre back that would be my I guess the most obvious answer to that but yeah that's Stearman decent passing but nowhere near the kind of engine attacking instinct that, um, that Basham has do you see any alternative there or if that's no. such a bad thing for that game?
1: No, I think you're absolutely right. Um, I I'm. I think it's always a bad thing if Chris Basham's not available at the minute. Yeah. Um, he, he's statistically one of the best defenders in the league for chance creation. He, he, that's just fact. You know, he's fact. Chris Basham creates more chances than most midfielders. <laughs> um, you know, he's integral to our play, and, and him and Freeman have been the combination this year. But I think that's a tough, tough assignment away at Forest. On paper, I actually don't think it's that hard. Um, when I look at their side. And where they are and where they should be. Yeah, uh, you know we probably can't touch on that because it's you know it's kind of this is half now preview for Forest, but yeah, I I have them well down in my expected table. I know InfoGoal do the same, so
0: yeah, I I think don't they're twenty have... second or something, where eighteen, are they? 18 now, I think. Eighteenth, sorry, yeah, in uh, in yeah. InfoGoal, so yeah, they've they've been playing pretty below average so far, but yeah, yeah. I guess. And
1: it's their chance creation That's done that as well They're not creating much um, mm. Say they spent all that money On strikers and some, I know Lewis Graven have a decent start to the season But a lot of them are penalties um, You know I, I just feel like We'll probably be okay To be more defensively Sound in this game I expect probably Steeman To go and take the central role And Egan actually go to the right Interesting uh, I think possibly Because they have um, The young Portuguese kid Carvalho Who sometimes plays on the left um, yeah. Or Joe Luff. They're quite dynamic I think Egan's athleticism In that channel Might be a bit more key um, and from what I've seen from Egan earlier on in the season, I may have, you know, said, "Oh, that might not work." But actually, from what I've seen, he's he's not slow and cumbersome. He isn't fast, but he's got a good pass, and he actually can carry the ball with comfort. So we're not going to see Basham, but I wouldn't mind Egan stepping into midfield, put it that way. Mm. Um, you know, that that wouldn't faze me. Watching that, sometimes you see a centre half coming out, it can be a bit cringe, can't it? But. <laughs> I, I don't know. Time.
0: Actually, I've forgotten what that feels like. The days yeah. of uh, <laughs> Jay Kevily driveling out with the ball are uh, are a long way gone now. It feels like. <laughs> yeah. Oh dear. <laughs> well, I mean, the good thing with Basham missing uh, missing the Forest game is, of course, that uh, <laughs> he'll be available for the the Wednesday game the following week. Which I think, I suppose, if I had to pick one of those two games for him to be available for, that would definitely be the one because. I want to see him. Uh, I want to see him inside their six-yard box, either scoring or setting one up for Sharp again.
1: Absolutely. Someone actually raised a good point, which is McGoldrick's on four yellows as well. Mm. If he plays at Forest and gets a yellow, then he's he's banned from the Wednesday game as well. So it's a, I think it's an interesting decision to make there because I think he, yeah, McGoldrick has been absolutely key to our season. Um, yeah. Without You know, huge put posting huge numbers individually. He's contributed a lot. So I'm not saying you play for things like that. I'm sure Wilder yeah. will. A game at a time. Just an interesting thought because with Duffy, if Duffy is fit, it might be time to give McGoldrick's legs some rest. Um, you know, potentially, and, and maybe because Sharp and Clark look on fire, don't they? So,
0: yeah, I don't. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't. I don't think you can be too cute with that kind of thing, can you? you don't want you don't want players not making a, a tackle because they're worried about missing a game in a couple of weeks, especially at this stage of the season. And as you say, uh, if Duffy's coming back anyway, then. I'm starting to feel like yeah we might roll with with Clark and Sharp for the next few games now because uh, certainly look good against Wigan. Um, I guess this is something that gets thrown out or has been thrown out uh, quite a few times, you know, with regards to United's league position of like oh well we haven't played anybody good yet, and it's actually becoming more and more of a nonsense. I suppose you know people sort of conveniently overlook the fact Norwich have kind of shot up the league, and uh, yeah we've obviously played. Um, Swansea and Derby and Borough now Um, but yeah the fact is I guess we've lost to those teams we haven't played the team in second and fifth yet Um, but then at the same time we are we're beating everybody else and we're yet to play three of the current bottom four as well so it's not like we've just played you know the crappiest teams in the league week after week we've just you know we've played a fairly even spread now and we're you know that kind of consistency that we've had against the also runs is you know, means that it matters much less when we drop points to to Derby or you know Stoke or like a Stoke not a good example but Borough for example because we are getting three points against the lesser teams. It's not like you know we lose to one good team and then we're we're drawing against a load of mediocre teams. We've only drawn two games all season, I think. So yeah, I'm I'm quite happy for us to be a flat track bully if you like, as long as the 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 track itself extends to two thirds of the league, which is basically all the teams that we're just sort of brushing aside at the minute
1: no, yeah, I agree um, I'm interested in the next, next run of fixtures um, for obvious reasons in the next month or so but also for those teams you spoke about which is I just want to see if our away form holds uh, mm. um, this league is unforgiving especially in December time um, and if you don't have the squad depth that we have, a better squad depth this year, but if you don't have the depth of some teams in this league, those turnarounds are, are just horrid. You, you almost know you're going to lose a game if loads of people are injured, you know. So you, you just need to write some off and almost pick up points where you can. Um, but I, yeah, I'll be interested to see how the, the away form holds up against the top 10 sides in the league. It's something that was obvious last year, and it's too early to say there's a trend this year, but it, it has happened. Um, and, and we if we are serious title contenders and I can't believe I'm even saying that. <laughs> but if we are serious title contenders, then yeah, we just need to see something away from home against a West Brom or something, don't we? Um, you know, or wait we saw it last year away at Leeds, but they they weren't the leads they are this year. We just need to see something away from home just to say, Wow, yeah, we are there. You know, rather than just a, a maybe buzzing around the playoffs and challenging for that. Yeah. I'm not i I'm not saying we need to be. I'm just yeah you know, there is there is test that you you say is the acid test of if you're a top two side, and I think that's probably our last one to pass.
0: Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I I was thinking I didn't quite agree with you there, but I I understand your point now because yeah, I mean mathematically we could probably lose every game to the top six and still you know have a great run at the top two if we keep beating the teams in the sort of uh, I guess seventh to twenty fourth range as we have been doing so far. I mean. Yeah, we. I don't think we dropped points to anyone lower than 13. so that's, you know, haven't even drawn with anyone lower than 13th, um, which was Stoke, and we absolutely pulverised them, to be honest. Whereas, yeah, last season that wasn't the case at all. You know, we, we lost games to teams down the bottom. We drew games to teams that uh, ended up in and around the relegation zone. So, yeah, as long as we maintain this consistency, then, yeah, I think we'll... I'm not too worried about us dropping points to teams that are kind of in the second to sixth range so far. But yeah, it's uh it will be it would be nice of course to go and uh, beat Forest, beat uh well Wednesday obviously aren't a top team at the minute. Um <laughs> beat Leeds or West Brom somebody like that in the next couple of months but uh yeah, as I say I'm not going to lose sleep over it if we end up getting points from all our other games. Oh
1: yeah. Yeah, definitely.
0: Nice. All right, mate. Uh, so I think I think we're good there then. So yeah, another good win for United. Um, I guess we get a full week's rest now. To I don't know too much about um, the Duffy or Egan injuries. So uh, and they seem to be quite kind of late ones to be reported. So hopefully nothing too serious and just sort of minor knocks that we didn't think were worth risking this weekend. Which I suppose in hindsight was probably a good game to. Uh, to kind of not risk those players um, and yeah Forest on Saturday uh, and yeah hopefully we'll still be at the top of the league after that one
1: absolutely mate yeah good uh, some good run of coming up for the local things isn't it local pride we always like a feisty game with Forest let's hope we go on there and give them a lesson
0: yeah indeed um, cool uh, I guess also just to say uh, thanks to everyone who did tweet in a question um, and I'm sorry that uh, Sorry that we weren't able to to get to all of them. Or I think we've covered most of them because we had a few that were kind of similar. So I hope we kind of answered your question in a roundabout way. Um, are, you, are you tweeting live on the podcast? I've got Tweet Deck open here, and it's just coming up. I might have done. <laughs> <laughs> That's almost like cheating, but I suppose if you if you're replying to Richard Stearman as you just did, then uh, I guess I guess I can't compete with that. I'll allow that.
1: <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. Just randomly saw that is the same Sky Football I'm not counting his yesterday well
0: I am so yeah I think everyone else did didn't they I, I didn't understand that what a Sky playing at it was definitely an assist under no yeah, circumstances was that not an assist it's not even up for debate I don't
1: um, care it's typical mainstream media in United they just you know we're yeah. <laughs> only in it them or it will be fine when we're there in May still they might have to talk about
0: us did you see his uh, attempted knee slide in the celebration for that goal as well I did yes yeah, uh, swiftly and possibly wisely aborted but yeah, I appreciated the sentiment from him.
1: Kind of, kind of like the you know the, the old guy who came on half-time and banged. You know, I expected him to have a better knee slide than Steers. To be honest, right, yeah, <laughs> But yeah, that, that was a beautiful moment
0: as well. It was a very nice moment. Yeah, ninety-year-old um, scoring from a Tony Curry cross in front of the cop was uh, yeah. Uh, it came at half-time, but it was a, a nice moment in uh, in a great afternoon for Sheffield United once again. Alright mate, let's uh let's round it off there then. So uh yeah, thanks as always for uh giving up your time. Uh obviously people can check you out on Twitter at Blades Analytic, which I'm sure they are doing already, um, and go and read stuff from both yourself and myself on uptheblades.com blades.com. Um but yeah, thanks very much, Paul. Uh I will speak to you uh well very soon I'm sure. And uh see you for the Derby, I believe. Is that right? Are you uh, you come into town.
1: This is going to be our, our first official Blake's pod night out on the yeah. worst day of the season for a fan until 90 minutes finishes.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Nice one. All right, cheers then, Jay. I'll talk to you later. All
1: right, mate. Cheers, pal.
0: Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Bye.